Good morning. It's been a while since I've been here, but I have been here. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll be able to sing that creed at my job. I'll get in trouble. I'm a chaplain at a secondary school, so if I started singing in front of the assembly, I believe in, you know, they'll be saying, I believe you need to leave. So <laughs> um, it's pretty tough out there um, with some of the secondary schools that chaplains are involved in, but uh, I, I guess... It's a privilege to be in that space. Um, I went from youth ministry to uh, secondary school ministry. So my uh, the, the amount of kids that I'm dealing with now is, is extended. So it's, it's really a privilege. Um, but I can't sing the creed. So never mind. I'm here with Kathy, my wife, and my two girls. That's only 40% of my kids here this morning. Um, but we're really glad to be here with you. And... I guess I'm here this morning uh, to stir you up. We've got a fire at home, and I'm, on, I'm forever trying to stir that fire up. Otherwise, it'll go out. So I want to stir you up this morning um, with God's word. So I hope you're hungry. Are you hungry this morning? Thirsty. Remember when Jesus said in John chapter 7, He that believes on me out of his innermost being shall what? flow rivers of living water. So I hope you're thirsty because he said himself that he was the well. He was the river. He was the one who could uh, meet our thirsty needs. This morning, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you this morning again. What a privilege it is to be able to stand in a place like this and proclaim your name, Lord Jesus. When I am five days a week, my mouth is shut. And uh, But not this morning. Thank you that uh, I have this privilege. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come strong, take the weakness of the speaker, and in spite of him, uh, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I, this morning, um, I just want to, I remember going to, uh, just to share a little story, I remember going to a year eight camp with Kitan Secondary in Trafalgar. Now, it was at this camp, uh, this camp which was both challenging and enjoyable. Um, I got to hang out with the kids and form closer relationships with them. And it was cool. Away from the, the dread of school, we, we did all sorts of stuff on camp. Uh, a year, a seven camp I also went to at a different school. And uh, we went to a place called Adenac. And again, it was relational building, it was food consumption, and the struggle of uh, still having to be up at 12 o'clock at night, trying to get these kids who had only just begun, just like the church camps. <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> In Jesus' name, go to sleep, you know. But um, we enjoyed it. I, I love going to these camps. I also went recently to a camp with my younger daughter, Mia, we went on to a, a, a Creswick church camp, and although I was sick on that camp, I still managed to be able to speak well, and then as soon as I stopped speaking, true story, I'd be sick again. And at night, I'd be sick, but as soon as I got up and spoke, it was amazing how God just allowed that space for me to be well. And again, I enjoyed that camp. But those three camps that I mentioned had something in common. At the year eight camp, I forgot my toothbrush, and my toothpaste. So obviously I had to go and buy, buy stuff there. At the year seven camp, 
I forgot to prepare my lunch because you had to bring lunch on that first day and uh, I forgot to bring water on the bus, which was three hours. So I was just shaking my head thinking, why didn't I remember? And at that camp that me and I went to, you know, just something small, I forgot our bedding. <laughs> now, we managed to get bedding, but I forgot. We kept that information from Kathy until the camp was nearly over, I think. Just thought I'd, you know, keep that thing away from her. Eventually, she found out that I forgot that stuff. Um, uh, I've, I was excited to be involved, but uh, you know what? I wasn't prepared. I just wasn't prepared. I, I just forgot. I wasn't aware that I'd forgotten these things. And it's no different this morning. As I give you a message to stir you up, it's no different with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we ready? Do we really believe that he's coming at any time? Um, Is our focus and perspective about his coming alive today? Are we talking about it? Or are we just mentioning it at at, um, communion when it says, do this until he what? Comes. Is that the only time that we talk about it? Are we talking about it in the prayer meetings? Are we talking about it at our home groups? The young youth leaders, are we stirring up these kids saying, life is exciting with Jesus because he's coming again. And so I'm here this morning to not only encourage you, but encourage myself again that my God is coming. The king is coming. There's a movie coming out um, uh, the Lion King, and they've got the, the sign at, at the movie theater saying, the king is coming. We saw it yesterday when we, saw, when we took the kids, and I just smiled. I thought, he really is. He certainly is. The king is coming. I'm not sure if those of you that are older, sorry for the younger ones, those of you that are older remember Andre Crouch? Yes? Andre Crouch wrote in the 70s an amazing song, and he wrote, it won't be long when we'll be leaving here. It won't be long, we'll be going home. It won't be long, we'll be leaving here. It won't be long, we'll be going home. Count the months. Count the months as weeks. Count the weeks. Count the weeks as days any day now. We'll be going. We'll be going home. An incredible message for us that in spite of what is happening in your life and in my life and around us, we're going home. Man, that should make you just go, you know, wow, I'm going home. Uh, Just look around our environment today. Look at the world that we're living in. Paul spoke spoke to, to Timothy and he said this, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, have I got stuff up there? Okay. I might just, uh, if I don't touch this, you touch your stuff and we'll go from there. But um, Paul said to Timothy, you know this, Timothy, that in the last days there'll be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. 
They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And Paul says to Timothy, stay away from people like this. I'm not talking about the church annual meeting. I'm talking about the environment that we are living in. Paul says this is what it's like in the last days. And you and I know that this is what is happening today. As a chaplain, I talk to these kids and I cannot believe the lack of respect that they have for not only parents, but for, for, for the police and, and for teachers. I walk in our open learning areas and I'm, I'm shaking my head when I look at, um, some of these kids just legs up, just leaning back, talking and reading and swiping and talking and laughing. I'm thinking, wow, learning's really different today. And, and when I spoke to our Chinese teacher, I said, can I ask you a question? What are your kids like back in China? What are they like? And she says, far different than these kids. (laughs) Paul says, this is the environment that we're living in. And if you go to Romans chapter 1 and you cut and paste verses 18 to 32, you would find that that portion of Scripture is right there in the Herald Sun, in the age. It's in the news today. We're living in these kind of days. And and the Bible says, in spite of this, we're going home. You and I have an incredible hope that we're going home. Just look at at what's look at look at the environment around us today to just give you a platform where you can jump into this great truth that we're going home. Um uh, yeah, I had that. So Listen to some of the trends that we have today. There is an upsurge of uh, sexual orientations. So now you not only have what we all have always known, heterosexual, and what the world has always known as homosexual. And uh, as we've become to, you know, I guess get used to bisexual, we now have asexual, and we have intersexual, and we have transsexual. And we also have omnisexual and demisexual. We're going to have all sorts of sexuals that we can't even keep up with them. I'm talking to some of these kids and I'm thinking, can you tell me what these things mean? (laughs) I can't keep up. All these different orientations that we now have to become familiar with. The normalization of gender fluidity. So people are jumping from male to female anytime they like. I uh, used to be at Kitan Secondary, and I used to support the kids in the LGBTIQ community, support them, not run their flag, just support them, just to be there for them when the world crashes around them. And um, I remember one time I went into one of their meetings, and um, I sat there, and uh, I, I'll give you a name of what she, what what. what, what I won't give you a wrong name. I'll just give you a, a different name. Sally's her name. So Sally came into the meeting and I'd say, hey, Sally, how are you going? And she says, oh, it's not Sally today, Mike, it's Bob. And I went, oh, okay, okay, just call me Bob today. I feel like I'm Bob, okay. 
Sorry about Bob, I know he's your pastor, don't you know? Um, but, you know, that's actually, that's the, word, that's the name that she used, Bob, you know? So I'm thinking, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> um, but this is the environment we're living in that we have to, I guess, be tolerant towards. Well, that's what the world uh, is throwing at us. But we have the normalization of that. We also have the increase, and this is no surprise to you, of violence, of drugs, and alcohol. Man, it is just out there. We've got drugs coming into Australia like nothing else. And we thought, you know, hopefully it would get better, but it's only getting worse. Well, they said it was going to, the Bible says it's going to get worse. So it should be no surprise to us. Um, this is what the Herald Sun quoted from the police. So what we have seen in over the recent years is a greater tendency to resist what the police are asking people to do. There's punching, there's kicking, there's spitting, there's swearing, there's a lack of respect, um, and police have to deal with this today. Young people are more desensitized in the community now from what they see on television, gaming, and the media. It's on the upsurge. Uh, the police are struggling. Uh, my wife works with a disabled uh, community, takes them out on recreational uh, trips and, and activities, and it's more than once, twice, three, four times, she's been in a situation on the bus where you've got people fighting against each other in front of kids and in front of the disabled. They don't care. They're swearing at each other. They're throwing punches. And she's going, what? Stop it. This is the environment we're living in. There is an increasing normalization of broken homes and blended families. I talk to some of these kids, and one of the first questions I ask them is this, is mum and dad still together? I try to be sensitive because I don't want, to make, don't want to upset them, but I have to know the background a little bit. So I say, is mum and dad still together? And some say, yeah. And I go, whoa, wow, that's amazing. And others go, no, no, no. But now the census sees the rise of the percentage of blended homes and broken families. The increase of godlessness now is huge in the public square and in the school. I think it was on Facebook previously. I don't know how the quote goes, but it was something like this, that people are complaining, how could God allow this kind of stuff to happen in our schools? And God says, well, you kicked me out. You kicked me out. But there's an increase of godlessness in the public square. And as we prayed um, in the prayer meeting just this morning for Israel Falau, man, is he getting hammered. Okay, some things within that whole story we would say, oh, really? He did that? Or, you know, but overall, just the big picture, the religious freedom, man, is he getting hammered for that? And so are Christians. When you begin to mention that you're a Christian, whoa, you're just like him. And, and so you get hammered. There's an increase of godlessness without God in our society. The continued attack on pro-lifers. You know, as if we're supposed to 
believe the other side and just lay every, every, every creed that we own about God. But there's an increase of antagonism and anger against those who believe that children have rights in the womb. They are people too. Um, there's an ongoing reality of anti-Semitic behavior and rhetoric against Israel, and it has just gone skyrocketed. You've got cemeteries that have got the swastika on, on, on these graves being knocked over. Just this week, a cafe owner in Melbourne had sprayed you know, the German swastika sign saying the Holocaust isn't real, was never real. You know, I was stirred by this. So look, I looked up her cafe online and I sent her a message of support. But it's, it's rising. Uh, the UN, fantastic organisation, not. You know, um, 45 anti-Semitic resolutions since 2013 and rising against Israel alone. This is the environment that we're living in. Thank God we are leaving soon. Thank God that we're going home, like Andre Crouch said. So I want to say some things to you this morning to stir up your mind, to stir up your hearts, to make you say, man, I am not going to walk around with my head down. I'm going to walk proud as a believer in Jesus. Here's the first thing I want to say to you. Jesus said, I'm coming for you. Now, I know you know that. But you need to be reminded of that because we're living in an environment that says it's not going to happen. But Jesus said, I'm coming for you. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, let me read it to you. In my Father's house are what? Many mansions, (laughs) dwelling places. Um, And if it wasn't so, I would not have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Wow, 100-inch 8K television up there. Nah, that's ridiculous. (laughs) That's just worldly, sorry. (laughs) But he's preparing a place for us. Um, this was an intimate conversation with his own, not with the world. Jesus was talking to his own people, his church, or those that would become the body, the church, as we would know it in Acts chapter 2. He says, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to completely believe in God. My father has a dwelling place for you. Because I'm doing this, I will come back. He was giving them uh, a taste of that Jewish truth, that Jewish wedding, where the, the, the one that was promised the bride, he would go away and prepare the dwelling place in his father's house for the bride. And because he was doing that, she knew that he was coming back. She knew that. 
And so he would come back and he would take the bride away to the father's house that he had been preparing. This is an incredible, encouraging truth because it hovers, hovering over this truth again is this dark, dark environment that we are living in. The Bible says, make no mistake, judgment is coming. We are not living uh, with a theological uh, bent where Jesus, meek and mild, greatest, wonderful saviour, and that's it. The Bible teaches that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah who will come with a scepter in his hand and he will judge the world in righteousness. So he is the coming judge. He came as the saviour, but he's the coming judge. And judgment is coming on this world and in the future, in eternity. And when I say in eternity, don't write me an email. I'm talking Revelations chapter 20 at the great white throne. But judgment is coming. I remember uh, growing up, uh, I used to play volleyball, and I loved it. And uh, we used to have um, those island, uh, I'm not sure if you guys did this in the past, but as islanders, we used to tie up a uh, wire in the backyard and make it go all the way to the other side of the backyard and then tie it there nice and tight, and that's where we would hang our washing. I think it was mostly because we couldn't afford the, the rotary, the brand new rotary. But we used to hang out washing there. Well, that place was not only a washing line for me growing up, it was also a volleyball court. And I used to love it. I used to practice. I used to, this is how sad I was. I used to dig, set and spike myself <laughs> until my little brother got older. And then I used to play with him across, you know, the at home volleyball court. Well, dad, well, it wasn't my real dad. He was my uncle. I was from a broken home. So my, my, my uncle, because I saw my dad every now and then, so I couldn't call him dad. So my uncle, he used to hate this, hated it, but I used to love it. So he warned me. He says, if you do this again, you're going to get it. I'm going to give you a hiding. That's the way we used to say it in New Zealand, a hiding. As in, do you say that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, anyway, uh, don't do it. And, and so we used to sneak. I used to say to my little brother, Philo, shh, don't, don't, not so loud, you know, and all that. So we used to play volleyball, and I said, boom, and the line went like this. So one time I wasn't aware that he was around, and I went up for a big spike, and bang, I was so proud. And uh, he yelled out, Michael, and, and he ran over towards me, and he, no, no joke, he grabbed a chain, and he came running over to me, and I ran for my life. And there he was chasing me with his chain. I didn't know if he really was going to use the chain on me. Maybe he was trying to scare me, which worked, but he ran after me, and I just ran for my life. Uh, I won't be doing this, kids. It's okay. I won't be doing that with you guys. But um, I ran for my life, and I learned that if I got caught in the game in the future, I probably would have faced judgment, and I would have been judged. But I managed to escape. Um, Revelations chapter 6, 
to 19, read it for yourself as homework. Great homework reading. Um, the Bible talks throughout that whole portion as well as uh, what they would call interludes within that portion. It talks primarily about the judgment that's coming upon this world in the future. And it, 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 it kind of like forms them with uh, what we call seal judgments and trumpet judgments and bowl judgments, each rising in intensity. And we're, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of people that are going to be wiped out. We're talking about a third of, of the greenery in the earth burnt up. We're talking about a third, 33% of the oceans and the springs, toxic. God is going to judge this world like he has never judged before. And yet, Christians have this incredible hope that he's coming again for you and I. Man, this should just make us click our heels and think, wow. We have such an amazing God, how he would rescue us from what is coming. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm coming back for you. Secondly, Paul said this. It's going to be incredible. When he comes back again, it's going to be incredible. Have a look at First Thessalonians. If you have your Bible or if you could swipe there, those of you that are under 20, could swipe there on your devices. Paul says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. He's talking about Christians who've died. And he says, so that you will not grieve as, as do those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will, be, will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, so that's those of us that have not slept or have not died, so to speak. Those of us that are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, we will not go before those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and the air to be with him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And you know what he says? Encourage one another with these words. You will never be able to encourage one another if you and I are going to go through this incredible judgment. There's no encouragement for the church, for the bride. Paul says, encourage one another with these words that we're going to uh, rise. For two, um, it's interesting... Um, 
there are many arguments. And as our brother said this morning, you know, if you hold a different view to the end times than me, that's fine. Just don't hate me. I don't hate you. Let's remember that we're brothers and sisters in the Lord and we can talk about it on the way up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so um, the, the, the word that, we, that Paul talks here is the word rapture. Not found in the English translation, but found in the Latin translation. Coming from the Greek word, which means to snatch away. So this incredible hope that we who are alive and will join those who have died but will rise again, the incredible truth is that we will be what the Bible teaches as snatched away to him. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, we're going to have an incredible body just like him. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 58 talks about the incredible change that we're going to experience, that we're going to go from incorruptible corruptible to incorruptible, from mortal to immortality, and we will be changed. It's not only your rings and your clothes that are going to fall off that day, it's your glasses. You won't need them anymore. Your hearing aids will fall out. This ring will drop, you know. Um, you won't even be able to reach for your money. Forget it. (laughs) The place where we're going is beyond all that. It's an incredible, incredible space that we're going to enjoy for all eternity. The Believer's Bible Commentary says this, that millions that have been moldering in the dust for thousands of years shall spring up in a moment into life, immortality, eternal glory at the voice of the Blessed One. YouTube will not be able to capture this moment. You can forget about Snapchat. You won't even get 10 seconds there. This is instantaneous like never before. In a moment, you're you're standing in front of the McDonald's line, and the next moment you're with Jesus. Incredible, incredible change. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. It'll be quick. It'll be what we theologically call imminent. And that's why there is no real prophetic, uh, right now, prophetic event that has to happen when this change comes. You know, the youth leader could be walking out of this church right now and change, just like that. (laughs) Just like that, her bottle's dropped and she's gone. So are we. (laughs) So are we. So it's going to be incredible. What about those who are left behind? What about those that you are praying for and that you're rubbing shoulders with? What about those that you have been speaking to over the years and they still will not bend at the feet of Jesus? What about them? The Bible teaches that there will be pain, and suffering, and grief, and trauma like never before. And that those who happen to surrender to the King of Kings going through those times, they too will suffer. And many will suffer martyrdom. This is why 
It's called our blessed hope. This is why the Bible encourages us to talk about it, to encourage one another that if you haven't spoken to each other on these intimate terms that he's coming again, you need to do more of it because it's going to happen at any time. And people need to hear our conversations. People need to ask the question, why are you so giggly? Why are you so, so enthusiastic? What is it about you? Why? And you can say to them, because the king is coming for me at any time. It's my hope. One preacher said that every prophetic sign in the Bible is shouting to us, the king is coming. The king is coming. Look up, pray up, prepare up. We're getting ready to go in the twinkling of an eye. Jesus says, I'm coming for you. Paul says, it's going to be incredible. Finally, Peter says this, don't stop waiting. Don't you stop waiting. I don't know what, if, if, if any of you have experienced situations where you've had to wait and you feel so down because the waiting has gone on so long, whether it's a sickness and you're waiting for the right, you know, the right good news, or whether it's a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you're waiting for those eyes to turn to you and they haven't turned yet and you're waiting. Or you're waiting for uh, whatever, whatever you're waiting for. Peter says, don't stop waiting in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says this in that chapter. And uh, let me get to the right space here. Chapter 3. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come. How many of you experienced mockers in your life? Yeah. Oh. Really? <laughs> That's old hat. That's old news. My grandparents heard that he was coming in the twinkling of an eye. But Peter says, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was at the beginning of creation. And the mocking continues to go on. You stand in the public square now and say, Jesus is coming for you at any moment. Jesus can come. Step into the air. Take his people you know, back into home with us. But he's coming to the Mount of Olives where his feet will stand. And he's coming as a judge. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. People will mock you. People will tell you to shut up. You're just a fanatic. But Peter says this, don't. Don't you dare stop waiting. For 2,000 years, Jesus' promise of coming again has been a waiting period for the body of Christ. But remember in this passage what Peter says about that? A thousand years is the same as what to God? One day. So he's been only saying this for two days. 
in God's sight. So he could come any, any time as a thief in the night to those who are unprepared. Tragedy. Just in this past, um, sorry, thinking about um, why this word about waiting is, is needed so much. Why do we have to wait? Why are we encouraged to wait? Because we're living in a society that doesn't wait. We're living in a society that wants it now. We're living in a society where the young kids today are saying, if you're 25 or up, you're old. (laughs) It's that quick. So why is this word needed so much today? Why Why does Peter say, I want you to wait with encouragement? Well, here's one thing, because Israel is God's time clock. And guess what? The miracle of the ages, she's back in her land. For thousands and thousands and thousands of years, God had said Israel will get back in the land that I promised to give them forever. And he says in Jeremiah 31, That if you're starting to complain about Israel as my nation, remember, as long as the sun is there, the stars, the moon, and the waves are being roaring, as long as that's in place, Israel is a nation, my nation, forever. So we wait because we realize, yes, Israel is back in the land as a nation. Incredible. She recently celebrated, what, 71 years. Who was born in 1948 (laughs) or before that? Wow. So you you, you probably feel this more than I do. And in May 14, 1948, uh, there was a Isaiah 66, a prophecy fulfilled that Israel would be formed in one day. And it happened. God moved. When the world said, forget it. God moves. Israel's back in the land. Because Jerusalem was acknowledged and declared as the capital of Israel in 2018. Incredible. You and I are living in amazing days because we see this. The Bible says that Jerusalem would be a burdensome stone a heavy stone for the nations to carry. In other words, in our language, she would be a pain in the butt to the nations around, and she is. And in 2018, Donald Trump declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel. And all hell, you know, you know the saying, all hell took me and I went loose. Not only that. The Golan Heights was declared Israeli territory in 2019, in our day. What's so special about the Golan Heights today? Well, Israel has recently discovered in certain places, including the Golan Heights, oil and energy, gas, in huge, huge amounts. And I'm... I am am so excited about biblical prophecy today 
because the Bible teaches that there are some nations that are actually forming a coalition that will come against Israel for her spoil, not for her land, for her spoil. And what is Israel's spoil today? The oil and the gas that has been recently discovered. And so you and I are encouraged to wait. If God is allowing these things to happen by his um, incredible hand, then we are going to wait. We're not going to be discouraged. We're going to continue to wait. Just in this past week, let me um, give you an update. Um, and, I'm, and I'm picking up this stuff from Behold Israel. So it's not me. Uh, please, I'm just learning so much. So I'm going from some of the updates from Behold Israel. Uh, those of you that know the, the, the place of Israel, down there in the southwest is the Gaza Strip. And so uh, just recently in the Gaza Strip, the, uh, the Hamas rejected anything to do with any peace plan that they have recently met about. They've said, nah, we're not going to have anything to do with it. Uh, up there in the northwest where you've got Lebanon, where Hezbollah are actually running, running right, running the show in that place, they are... We're not going to have a bar of it. Iran goes way beyond her limited stockpile of uranium, which is used to uh, produce nuclear weapons. Iran, Iran has just said, unless those people on the 7th of July, unless those nations sign and give us money for this deal, we're just going to produce any amount that we want. You can, you can see what is happening. There is just an increase of opposition against not only Israel, but the God of Israel. Uh, just recently, the leader, the imam of Iran said, we need to go and send a missile into the nuclear plant of Israel. We need to do that. That was just recently said on Friday. The... These things are happening right before our eyes. And Peter says, I just want you to wait because of your hope. Just, just hang in there and wait and trust that my promises will be fulfilled. And we also wait because Jesus, remember what Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 24 about the birth pangs? Remember what he said about that? How he says that these these things that are happening, they're only birth pangs. They're only signs that, that something is going to happen. Now, I thought about this, and, um, you know, I, I was thinking, imagine that um, those of you that are, are just pregnant, you've just become pregnant, could you please come over and sit here in this first these two rows here? Now, I just imagine there was more of you here this morning and there were people that were pregnant. So they came here and they said, and I said, look, I want to give you a bit of advice on being pregnant. And uh, I don't want any of you who have been pregnant in the past to interrupt me. This is my show, not yours. And so the, especially the mothers start giggling, thinking, what a tosser. <laughs> what does he know about pregnancy? So I start giving you some advice. I say, listen, um, so uh, it's going to be okay. 
it's going to be okay. Uh, you're not really going to give birth. It's only a myth. I mean, I can't explain why you're, you've got your bump showing, but, you know, don't worry about that. All I'm saying is you're not really going to give birth. It's ridiculous. It's just an old age myth. And, you know, these labor signs that, that some of you that are, are further on in your, you're maybe further on in your third trimester, uh, these labor signs that you're having, uh, I'm telling you, it's a bit over the top. You're not really, really going to give birth. The myth, take more medication. Avoid these fanatical uh, experienced mothers. Avoid those fanatics who, who want to book a room for you in the hospital soon. Try to focus on the social needs around you. Uh, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled that the baby is coming. They've been saying that for centuries, that these pains, these labor pains that you're having, is like a sign that there's going to be an imminent birth. Use your reason, uh, your reason. The majority says, relax. Relax. There's plenty of time. What would you say to me, mothers? Get a life, Mike, <laughs> wouldn't you? You have no experience of my labor pains that I had. In fact, if you came to the hospital when I was having labor pains, why don't you bring your head over or your ears and let me hold your ears as I experience more of the intensity of those pains because I know I'm going to give birth. And we know that we're waiting because Jesus is coming again. The labor pains have been happening and the intensity. Read your newspapers. The earthquakes that are happening are happening so much more frequently. The intensity of these natural disasters. It's as if the earth is saying, it's soon people respond to the gospel. Listen to the king who's coming. I want to um, close off by saying this. What's the, what's just, what's the practical application when it comes to the second coming? Well, here's one. Be alert and ready to go. Do you remember how the, the Hebrews in, in the Exodus account, do you remember how God told them how they were to leave or how they were to eat their food? Do you remember? With, with your tunic ready <laughs> and your shoes on your feet, your bag and your people, you're ready, you're, you're, you're eating and you're ready to go. And this is what Peter was encouraging us with, as we wait, be ready to go. And you say, well, okay then, what if I'm not involved with this Jesus stuff? What do you mean by ready to go? Well, simply I mean that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ right now, you have no guarantee that when you leave this church, you're not going to be, uh, those of us that have a relationship, that we're going to be here. The Bible says now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. So be ready to go. 
Keep telling others about the good news of Jesus. Don't stop telling. Don't stop showing your life. If you are in a position like I am and you're a chaplain and you can't say in assembly, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and he's the Lord of... Well, um, show it in your life. Show it by the things that you do for other people so that they can begin to ask the questions when you sow those seeds in their hearts. And then they begin to ask, who is this Jesus? I want to know the one that you are reflecting in your life. Keep showing, keep telling others about the gospel. Fix your heart on heaven as you live on earth. What does that mean? It means that God has got your heart. I remember when I spoke in um, Cotton Baptist, I, uh, I was talking about something totally different. And uh, there was a couple there that were getting married within a few weeks. And uh, I asked them, uh, hey, uh, come up here. And so they came up on stage. And I said, I'm going to give you a rehearsal. And so they were giggling and the church was going, ooh, what are you going to do here? And they started giggling as well. So this couple were here. And I said, now I want you to repeat after me to your future bride. And then when she finishes, I want you to repeat after me to your future husband. And they said, okay, and smiled. And so I gave them the words. I said, you know, dear, dear so-and-so, dear so-and-so, you know, I will do this for you. I will do that for you. I will clean this. I will give you all this, and I will do that, this, this, this. And they were smiling because they thought, well, this is great. And, but there's one thing I won't do for you. And they go, okay, there's one thing I won't do for you. Um, I won't give you all my heart. Can you say it? And they, hmm. So I went to the other one and said the same thing. And then I said right at the end, but I won't give you my whole heart. I'll give you a little bit. I'll give you even half, but I won't give you all my heart. Then I asked them, if this was your, if this really was your vows, what would you say? Would you accept them? They shook their heads and said, no. Well, God says to his people, his bride, the bridegroom says, as he, as he is anticipating that reunion with the bride, give me all your heart as you wait. Give me all of it. Don't give me 80%. Give me 100% of your heart and, and live for heaven while you wait on earth. Colossians, Paul talks about this in Colossians, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So what are you saying then, Mike? Don't save? What are you saying? Shall I fight for my superannuation and give it all away? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that as you occupy and as you serve God on earth, you've, you've just got this incredible anticipation and expectation that you could leave any moment. And you have not, the, the, the world has not got a grip on you because God's got a grip on you. God's got a grip on your heart. Keep your eyes on Israel and Jerusalem as you prepare to leave. God's program is not, you know, Australia. 
It includes Australia, but it's not centred on Australia. It's not centred on America. You know, the Americans, one and a half years out, are now preparing for their elections. One and a half years out. God's program is centred in the Middle East in a small piece of land called Israel. Keep your eyes and your ears on Israel and then let your um, perspective move out from there. Because the Bible says it is my land, it is my people. Not because they are special, not because they are great, not because they are so gifted more than anybody else. It's because I've put my name on that people and that land and my purposes lie within that region. Keep your eyes on Israel. I was sitting at our lunch table at work and there was a lot of discussion about some of the natural disasters that are happening right now. And... Um, Someone says, these are crazy weather patterns, crazy. How in Australia, just one country, you could have flooding and on the other side you could have bushfires. It's crazy. What is happening? And then another day someone else was talking about this Israeli um, uh, young lady that was in Australia who got unfortunately murdered. And they were saying, how could anybody do this? We know how people can do this. We know. We know the environment that we live in, but we have a blessed hope. We have an incredible hope that one day he's going to step into the air and he's going to take us home. And it's all done. It's all done. Are you ready to go? Are you ready just to wait expectantly? Can I stir you up to get these conversations going a bit more and not just wait for the communion? Can I stir you up to tell your grandkids and your kids, you better get ready because we're going soon. We won't be here very long. Jesus is coming. And he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you, Jesus says, but I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go, I will come back and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Are you ready for your mansion? Because it's yours. Mine's better, but it's yours as well. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. The hope that we have in leaving this place, it's incredible. None of us can really explain heaven and what it's going to be like. So many of us think that it may be someone like something like a, a boring old church service, but it's something that never ends. But it's not like that because it's not about us. It's about you. And uh, we, eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, uh, neither has it entered into the hearts of those that you love, the things that you have prepared for us. It's going to be incredible. And it may happen this afternoon. Some of us, 
may not have that appointment tomorrow because you could come at any time. Help us to wait expectantly, knowing that it could end even before Pastor Bob comes back. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer. Come quickly. Glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen.